0: How to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the Westworld Podcast's Game of Thrones Season 8 Recap and Review. Today we're going to recap Season 8, Episode 3 of Game of Thrones, entitled The Long Night. I'm James.
1: And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast.
0: So this is an even stranger setup than normal. Usually, uh... Ryan's on the East Coast, and I'm in Tokyo, but we decided to switch it up. Uh, Now, uh, Ryan's on the other side of the country, and I'm in Korea.
1: I am in Austin, Texas, so not exactly the other side of the country. And yes, you're in Korea, so we decided, you know, for, for an episode that James is about to, if I'm guessing correctly, going to describe as scuffed... Let's make the episode as scuffed as possible So yeah, we're in it, we're in it boys
0: So yeah um, You know, I hadn't been the biggest fans Of episode 1 and 2 Of season 8, but then episode 3 Came along and then I changed my mind 1 and 2 Not that bad
1: Wow, (laughs) okay So yeah you, you, you said previous to recording that there would be some contention about this. I didn't have 100% positive feelings about this episode, but I liked it. I like to like things. I will say, though, nobody won our bet from last week, James. Nobody won the bet, because almost everybody lived.
0: Yeah, none of the characters that we thought, you know, might possibly die, uh, even... Uh didn't even really tease a lot of their deaths the only people that died were also brands that nobody really cared about anymore
1: wow okay i cared about them i i will will name and we'll we'll talk about all the deaths that occur throughout this episode but i cared about some of these and i bet the audience did too and how dare you
0: so the episode starts out and you know they're all lined up for battle they're getting in formation they they have a castle and in the first couple seasons they always said like oh you know winterfell's such a strong castle 10 men could hold it against a thousand but they're like no screw that let's line up outside the castle where we're most vulnerable and we'll fight there
1: right i mean as we get into their their military prowess there are obviously going to be a few things that i think the entire world thinks they did wrong but we you know we're not them we don't know what their plans are or at least we we know what their plans are th- how they occurred but we didn't know what they were in their heads but as you said we're as nightfall drops onto winterfell we have the dothraki in front of the castle commanded by jorah mormont the unsullied commanded by greyworm the knights of the Vale. With Bran of Tarth and Jaime Lannister in front of them, and the uh, Northerners with the Brotherhood Without Banners and the Night's Watch to prepare for the battle against the advancing army of the dead.
0: Yeah, against all reason, Sam is gonna fight, <laughs> and then also there's a little girl, Lyanna Mormont's like also gonna fight. Uh, but Tyrion, Tyrion, the only one who's proven himself in battle, he's gonna go to the to the crypts.
1: Well, Tyrion was sent to the crypts by Danny, which feels a little bit like plot armor, although there was a lot of plot armor in this episode. But yes, as you said, Sam is on the front lines. You could say that perhaps later, if he wasn't on the front lines, one of our favorite characters wouldn't be alive. But yes, we start. At Sam's hands trembling a large tracking shot as Sam moves throughout Winterfell Tyrion getting his wine and going to the crypts which are totally going to be safe no way that anything is going to go wrong in the crypts when we're fighting against necromancy I'm sure that will be just fine and Sam gets to the front lines with Ed looking at him saying well you took long enough buddy but to be fair I think Ed at a later time will think perhaps you shouldn't have been here at all, Sam.
0: So, they all line up. Uh, the Dothraki are going to go first, I guess, because they're at the head of the army, and then who should show up but Melisandre, who's been missing since last season, basically told by the other characters to get out of the show, but she came back for this fight.
1: Right. I called it. I said Melisandre was going to show back up because of that weird thing that she told Arya about how she was going to see her again. And you were like, no. Her story is wrapped up. She's definitely not coming back. So, plus one to Ryan. Yeah. And, and she is She is back. Brandon Stark is sent to the Godwood to lure the Night King there because he believes he's going to be like GPS tracking him and going there. The Ironborn, led by Theon Greyjoy, is going to be protecting Bran and you know we still don't know what Tyrion and Bran talked about last episode I'd very much like to understand what that conversation was but we're not going to get that answer in this hour and a half long episode called The Long Night directed by Ms. Miguel Sapochnik. I don't know that's definitely not the way to say that last name but he directs all the episodes that are large battle episodes and I will say he also directs episode 5 so understand that that's happening and coming that's going to be
0: a battle too that basically
1: right against the big baddie that is Cersei but uh and we can talk about this later but is Cersei the real big baddie that we want at the end of this season we kind of we've been building up for eight seasons to the Night King doing something pretty great and pretty awesome and I will say you didn't like this episode all that much i did you know except for the fact that it was the darkest episode of known to man and i couldn't see anything without turning my brightness all the way up but yeah the the night king comes he has a dragon he thinks his odds are pretty good and uh you know we'll see how it goes
0: so melisandre lights she uses her magic to turn all the dothraki's little curved swords on fire And you're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. They're they're totally going to win now. They're going to kick ass with those flaming swords. They can't lose.
1: Right. Well, I thought they were going to stay where they were right? I thought they were going to be the actual front lines. Jon Snow and Daenerys are off to the side with Rhaegal and Drogon to the outskirts of the battle, awaiting for an opportunity to ambush the Night King. There is definitely some you're-my-aunt-based tension there still, as Melisandre lights the swords. And I'm thinking, oh, cool, the Dothraki is just going to chill here. Jorah's there. Ghost is there. He's going to be helping out the direwolf. And yeah, uh, they were just gonna hang out and just chill there until the the dead come, right? Nothing else stupid will happen.
0: Yeah, or you know, the Daithraci are supposed to be really amazing archers, so they, you know, she could light their arrow tips on fire, and they could just shoot arrows from where they are, and they'd be they'd be sitting pretty.
1: Right? Yeah, but instead they uh they charge right at them.
0: Yeah. That was like, so stupid. Daenerys is just like I'm, I'm 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 home. I'm done with these guys and their weird clothes and their stupid customs like it's just just, just sacrifice them.
1: No, she felt awful. Like okay, so, so so they they go charging right with Jorah and with Ghost and then out of nowhere they run into like, you know, a horde that includes giants and all the flaming swords go out they are not flaming anymore and the rest of the people behind them are like uh who were kind of psyched they were like okay yeah flaming swords this is all gonna go very well and we have a better chance oh all oh, the lights are out so all those dothraki who got on ships that they didn't want to get on, and have followed Daenerys from the time where she was within a hut and it burned down, and then she walked out of it, and they bowed down to her, and they they abandoned her when Khal Drogo died, and they followed her to the ends of the earth, only to run straight at the army that was ten times bigger than them and die in an instant. Right, and Great.
0: probably also get turned into zombies to use against everyone else.
1: Right, let's everyone who dies in this episode or at least within the first hour of the episode joins the army of the dead, making the odds much worse than they already were, which all the main characters know. Like they sh- they were talking about that in the war scene in the episode before this, like our odds are terrible. Let's run straight at them.
0: So then the zombie army just like rushes the army of the main characters and it's pretty brutal. People are getting ripped apart by zombies and uh Sam is in a tough spot, but then Ed saves him, and then Ed dies. So if Sam had just been hiding in the crypts the whole time, eh, maybe Ed would have lived. Oh, Ed would have had a better
1: chance of living, for sure. Ed basically telling Sam to get up. And, I mean, Sam pretty much died like 12 times this episode, but but not really. Jorah retreats to the Unsullied. He gets back. Ghost is nowhere to be found. We didn't know until, that Ghost was alive until we saw the trailer for the next episode. He is. But yeah, Jorah comes back and Tormund looks at him like oh no. As you said, the wave of the dead hit the now front lines of the Unsullied and the Wildlings, etc. Because the Dothraki are just all gone. And Sam falls down because he's not very good at this. He's killed a singular White Walker, but he's never gone up against thousands and thousands of them. And yeah, he pretty much gets Ed killed. And the moment Ed died, it was so sad, man. I mean, Pip is dead and Grin is dead. All of the, you know, Night Watch are gone. And Ed was the last saving bastion of them. And now he's gone too. So sad.
0: Um, we get our first scene inside the crypts where Sansa and Tyrion are chilling with Missandei and they start talking shit about Daenerys, and Miss Andi gets really upset. And uh, there's a good <laughs> point where, like, Tyrion and Sansa are just like, "Yeah, we're down here because we're useless. We've uh, we've been pretty useless for a while."
1: Yeah, Tyrion's been making a lot of bad decisions. Sansa's still spitting hot fire at Daenerys after their failed conversation last episode. And Missandei is like, yeah, dude, we'd already be dead if it wasn't for her. So just like, get over it. Arya giving Sansa a dragon glass blade as she goes down there. She reiterates the uh, thing that Jon Snow told her in the first season with stick them with the pointy. And was like Sansa is like, how do I use a knife? And Arya she's like, it's a knife. You you stab people. And in that moment where the Dothraki get basically murdered in moments. Daenerys deviates from the original plan of waiting for the Night King and going after him then and Danny gets on her stupid dragon. It's not, you know what, the dragon's not stupid. She's kind of
0: stupid. Oh yeah, her her and Jon are are so dumb in this episode. They spend most of it flying around aimlessly or smacking into each other, which was kind of funny.
1: It, it, it was funny. And, and and we'll get to the dragon battles that occurred within this episode. But yeah, it being winter and it having a large snowstorm hit them. And a snowstorm that looks like a wall of snow and wind made it harder. I'll say harder.
0: Davos is trying to, they have this, uh, they have this moat of, of pitch and sticks that they want to light on fire to protect the castle. Pro- I mean, probably, you know, do that from the very start. But they need Daenerys to light it, so Davos is trying to signal to her, but she's in the like the magic mist that the White Walkers bring with them, and uh, she doesn't see it, so they're kind of fucked.
1: Yeah, so Mel walks up and helps them light the trenches, which, the scene in which the trenches light is just as cool as when she lights the swords of the Dothraki. The... It it kind of goes in succession, and the fire lighting up is very... She does it right at the last second before the dead hit them. Uh, Sandor Clegane, the, the hound standing right behind them with Beric, and Sandor, as the light happens, or as the fire happens, he's thinking to himself, oh, right, I still really really hate fire and as you said Daenerys is not there to light the defensive trench because she's now being pursued by the Night King and uh, you know this is all happening while Bran is still in the godswood and Bran's like okay Theon thanks I'm just gonna warg into some crows right now later dude
0: so there's two MVPs of the good guy's army and one of them is Melisandre who gets that fire moat going Because they were going to all die without that. And they're just all standing around with their dicks in their hands. And there's a good moment where you think like, oh yeah, Melisandre's going to, like, maybe she's going to start the fire and then die immediately. But no, she starts the fire and gets away. And I think even she's surprised.
1: Yeah, she's surprised that she's still alive. I mean, she says to Davos as she walks into Winterfell at the beginning, like, you don't have to execute me, you know, for killing Shireen, the thing you're still very mad about. I am going to die before the dawn. You don't have to worry about that. But yeah, didn't you? Th- what, wasn't it weird when Bran was just like, "Okay, I'm gonna be in birds now." It felt like he was, like, as the three eyed Raven, trying to record historically what's going on, just in case he lives. Although this episode does kind of speak to the fact that yeah. he might know the future more than we think he does. So as the flaming trench is is going, we all think it's fine now. The dead kind of stop right outside the flaming trench. Although we then get the first understanding of where the Night King is sitting back in his large storm and Brand's crows see the Night King put his hands out and start telling the dead to just start, you know, laying across it. Who cares about you guys? Make, make me a bridge with your bodies.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they've got to be the most expendable army since the battle droids in Phantom Menace. And and they work pretty much the same way.
1: I mean there's enough of them for them to be expendable. At this time John sees the night king and and go and is like oh there you are. I can I can I can finally take care of this myself. But you know as the zombies breach the trenches they all the forces that are left fall back. They say man the walls, Brienne gets up there, Jamie gets up there, Grey Worm gets up there, Gendry gets up there, even Sam gets up there, and they all just kind of wait for the World War Z-esque zombies as they're, you know, piling on top of each other and getting closer and closer to getting over the wall.
0: Oh, well, yeah, so, I mean, the the, the zombies do eventually get into the castle, and uh, Leanna Mormont dies. I loved this scene, <laughs> like I was watching it with my wife, and... You know the the a zombie giant and it picks up Leanna Mormont and I am like, what is is this gonna be like Attack on Titan? And then the giant opens his mouth like he is gonna eat her, (laughs) and I I liked it.
1: It was exactly like Attack on Titan, as the the giant comes in and through the front door and swipes Leanna Mormont to the side, and then Leanna Mormont gets up. She was supposed to be a character in one scene, but Dan and Dave, who wrote this episode, loved her so much that they were like, okay, we're going to bring her back and she's going to have a cool, cool ending where she just runs at the giant, which doesn't help because, you know, she's very small, but the giant picks her up. And then as he's about to eat her very attack on Titan style, as you said, she stabs the giant in the eye with a dragonglass glass blade and they both die. So Liana Mormont, the second death of this episode behind Ed. And yeah, it, uh, it was a cool way to go out. But, you know, still very sad. I'm sad that she's gone, James.
0: Yeah, but I mean, she had the most badass death in this episode.
1: Oh, by far. I mean, this is all while Arya Stark is on the walls. Arya Stark is is proving herself to be a wonderful warrior. She is killing a lot of whites as Davos looks on and is like, oh girl, girl, you're good at this. And then she, you know, finally gets away or at least like falls over the wall while the hound uh, is kind of hiding because he's like, yeah, we're fighting the dead. You can't beat the dead. And this is all. To be fair, what he really is saying is like this is all fire, and I don't like fire. And as aria falls over a wall, Barric goes to her and says, "You know," or Barric goes to the Hound and is like, "Oh, we're fighting the dead. We have no chance. Tell her that." And then, like a good dad, the Hound walks after her. Well, runs, sprints, really. James, this next scene where aria is in the library, just like around all of the whites and all the zombies. Wasn't it basically the the scene from Jurassic Park in the kitchen?
0: Yeah, or it's like uh, it's like playing the game Resident Evil when you're hiding like around the corners, so the zombie doesn't see you.
1: Yeah, but they, uh, I mean, she's very swift. She has she is dexterous, and she's getting around, and she's not being seen by any of these zombies. But it was like a horror movie. It became all of a sudden, like it came from like a suspense film, and then it got to a horror film and Arya's already hit her head on the wall, like a wall, and is kind of not at 100% anymore. But she is in this library, and she finally gets out to, and is sort of saved by Beric Dondarian and Sandor Clegane, who find her in the
0: hallways. And then they run into, well, so they save her, but Beric dies, and then they run into the library and find Melisandra. Which she's like, oh, no, yeah, Beric was always supposed to die here saving you, which is kind of like, oh, so Arya is the prince that was promised this whole time, I guess? I mean, maybe. It was very Hodor-like, right? Where
1: Beric's life came down to this one moment where he was just supposed to stand in a hallway and keep... The Hound and Arya safe from that one moment. How many? How many times was Barak brought back from the dead by, by Thoros to do just this? And you know, I mean, he succeeded in a way where he got stabbed a bunch and threw a cool sword, saving Arya that one time. But you're right. The Hound and Arya and Barak get into the a uh, room where Melisandra is standing. And Beric dies in that room, and then Melisandra and Arya have a bit of a prophetic conversation.
0: Yeah, and Beric does die doing the Jesus pose.
1: He does. And Melisandra says to Arya a line that she has heard before, which was, What do we say to the god of death? right after she mentions all the types of eyes that Arya is supposed to close including blue eyes which when i was watching it i was just like oh who has blue eyes like i didn't put it together at all
0: Uh, yeah i didn't think about that back when she said it in season two but i guess it makes sense now so that kind of gives Arya hearing her say the god of death line gives her what like her pep back and she's ready to get back into the fight i guess
1: yeah, she runs away and the hound is like where where are you going? At this point I'm like okay cool. The hound isn't going to die and K- Gainball is on Mofos.
0: So we get some more dragon fighting. You get the the kind of the impression that Danny and John are total amateurs, but you know, the Night King, he's just good at whatever he tries, man. So he's he's cool to dragon fight right away.
1: Listen, he's had a lot of time to think about this. He's got a dragon now, and you're right. He's much better with on Viserion than Dan and Johnny are on Rhaegal and Drogon. Uh, like like you said earlier, Danny and John literally hit each other in the sky once, which was actually really scary. It was a big jump scare where they hit each other, and you didn't know if the the. Dragon that John hits is Viserion or Rhaegal in that moment. But yeah, they're up there. They're all trying to make their dragons bite each other or shoot each other with fire above the clouds, which was a really neatly shot scene. Like, you can't take away from this episode how beautiful it was in certain moments, you know, just minus the fact that all the other moments were so, so dark and you couldn't see anything.
0: So, Danny is able to knock the Night King off the dragon and he falls to the earth. But just like Master Chief, uh, the Night King does not take fall damage. Nope. It
1: is not Fortnite. It is more Apex Legends in that matter, where there is no fall damage. Uh, the Night King uses his dragon fire to breach the North Gate, and the whites enter in that moment. And John, you know, also gets knocked to the ground. And that moment, I thought Rhaegal was dead, but we see him in the trailer for the next episode. So that dragon is also Rhaegal and Ghost were kind of in the same place where I thought they were both dead until I saw the trailer for the next episode, and they're not. But yeah, John's on the ground. The Night King is 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 you know walking forward. Daenerys Draca- Dracaris is him. At this point, we don't know if if fire can kill the Night King, but we learn that it can't. And John starts charging at the Night King but it goes poorly.
0: Yeah, this was the one sequence in the show I thought was pretty cool, which is where John is like running up to the Night King to smash him with his sword, but the Night King just like so calmly is just like, yeah, I'm gonna pick up all the dead people again. Kill them again, do it again.
1: And all the dead people now include Ed, and they include that Dothraki leader, I think his name is Koro, and they include Lyanna Mormont, so sad. And the Night King, the Night King smirk at Daenerys when he doesn't get burned. Did you like the smirk? It, it felt like Dragon Ball to me, where it was like I have not even used one percent of my. Yeah, powers. that was
0: a total Frieza move. <laughs> now that you say that,
1: it's a complete Frieza move. Except for it doesn't take seventy episodes; it just takes like two minutes.
0: Yeah, and uh, raising all the dead people also, and this is the payoff to what Ryan has been saying the past uh, three weeks. That uh, now the zombies in the crypts are up and kicking.
1: Right. The crypts are not safe. It's crazy. Out of nowhere. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, you know, Tyrion and Sansa, Varys, Masandai, and Gilly are now in grave danger. And Tyrion and Sansa at one point are hiding. I thought they were going to double suicide from the way like Sansa was holding or Tyrion was holding Sansa's hand and they, they he kisses her hand after Sansa says that he was the best husband out of all of them earlier on. And Tyrion's like, what an awful, awful thought. But yeah, so they go out and Tyrion starts doing what he does, which is kill people as he has proven to be able to do in the past.
0: Yeah. And everyone's talking about that moment where it looked like they were going to do a suicide pact. (laughs) where They're kind of glancing at each other with the knife and it's like, so uh, do we just uh, I kill you and then kill me? Is that that good?
1: Yeah, or instead we just fight the old Starks that are now coming out of the crypts. One of the Starks that came out of the crypts was the old Maester who died. To the uh, the Greyjoys killed him.
0: Yeah, Maester Lewin.
1: Yeah, he actually he was in. He was one of the whites that gets pulled out of the crypts. Um, but you feel like. Like, if they follow this up in another episode with someone who's like, don't worry, we can hide in this room in Kig's Landing that's full of barrels with green liquid, you'd be like, "Come, this is Crips Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. Can we stop doing this now?
0: So everything's going to shit up in the main battle. It, well, the Crips aren't doing much better, but basically you get these scenes where like John is trying to get to the God's Wood, but now the evil dragon is in the courtyard and holding him off and... Basically, there's a shot of every still living character about to die. And you're like, wow, surely someone important will die. Someone, you know, a a main, main character is going to go down.
1: You can at least tell Sansa it's not going to be very hard to feed everybody at Winterfell now, right? Like, like, um, they've killed most of them. Everything is going to be fine. But yeah, like you said, Daenerys returns to the ground. Uh, and John's on the ground. He's running through. There's a great tracking shot of him running through Winterfell with people like almost falling on top of him. But yeah, John in that moment kind of being set up again to be the hero. To be the guy who is going to save the day. There was an interview with Kit Harington where they were asked him, like, when you found out like what your character was going to do at the end of this episode, like, not exactly be the hero. How did you feel? He was like, I felt fine. No, I, I was pissed. I was pissed. Yeah. And then he gets cornered by Viserion, who has a hole in his his neck, so the blue fire is coming out of everywhere. And then Jon straight up, he stands up. And he yells at it. He tries to 1v1 the dragon. Just like, no, nah, I'm going to yell at him and everything's going
0: to be fine. Right. Daenerys tries to, like, play assist and back up John And for some moronic reason, she lands her dragon. And so, yeah, womp, womp. We all kind of knew it gets swarmed with zombies. And at this point, I was talking to my wife and we're like, okay, so now both her dragons are dead. We thought they were both dead. I guess they both lived. Both her dragons are right. dead and her army is of of wild men are dead so is she like can is it still time to get a different queen like does she still have anything going for her
1: no and the fact that both of the dragons are alive is the same thing as like how did not how n no main
0: characters yeah
1: get out of there like the fact that they're both they're both cuz you're right like drogon was being swarmed by zombies and then he taylor swift shook it off when he went into the air apparently but yeah when jon was moving through winterfell he saw sam like on the ground stabbing to the left and to the right of him crying his eyes out and he thought to himself like i can't stop he basically left sam to die he left all of those people to die going to the godswood and trying to save bran but then didn't get there anyway because he was cornered by a giant zombie dragon
0: so back in the godswood bran comes back from you know whatever he was doing i I guess he was just having a nice time flying around as a swarm of birds he was he was bringing in the history
1: james (laughs) <laughs> okay, he's the three-eyed raven. He has to document this in some way.
0: And he tells Theon, he's like, oh, Theon, you're going to die, by the way. Uh, thanks. Well, he
1: doesn't say exactly that, but he says basically that. This is all happening, by the way, while Daenerys is is outside, also fighting off whites with Jorah Mormont in front of her, valiantly trying to save her. Daenerys picks up a, a sword for the first time, I think, in her entire life, and... And they're both fighting off. And that's part of the scene where you just think, God, the, some of these people just have to die very soon. The music, by the way, in this moment is actually incredible. Like, the true MVP of this episode is Raman Jwadi. He's a true... Gen- Did you think that this, this last track... I thought it sounded more like
0: Westworld than Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, it sounded... Yeah, it sounded a lot like Westworld. Like, it sounded... It, it sounded like... It, it could have been a Westworld song in a in a finale... That was happening, but it wasn't. And to be fair, like I, I liked it a lot. I thought it brought me into the moment more than I, I thought I, I would be. Although as this was all happening and the Night King arrives at the God's Wood with only Theon and Bran still alive in there while the Night King is walking all cool and slow like like all evil people do, like they have no sense of urgency whatsoever. Yeah, I I liked the music, but you're right. It it did sound like Westworld music. To be fair, it's the same guy, so that makes sense.
0: The Night King slowly is walking over to kill Bran, and this is actually a a nice tense moment. And uh, Theon's like, all right, this is a good time to die senselessly. And he charges the Night King and gets taken out instantly like a bitch, which sucks because I really liked Theon.
1: I mean, it's right after Bran has him turn around and tells him he's a good man, And it is it feels like the end of an arc that is just Theon wanting to be validated by a Stark to be told that all the things he did, all the atrocities he committed in the past are forgiven. And Bran does that for him in that moment. And then you're right. I mean, to be fair, like if the Night King started moving forward, Theon was the only thing in between him and Bran. Theon wasn't making it but i mean and we talk about main characters not dying but i mean theon theon is absolutely a main character he's been around since season 1 episode 1 and yeah he he runs at the night king he tries to stab him it goes so so poorly the night king drives the spear through his stomach and theon dies on the ground with yara very far away from him not knowing that that occurred I was not 100% satisfied with how Theon died, but I did think his arc was sewn up
0: in that moment. And then this comes, um, have you ever seen those videos where the people in the bar are like watching Game of Thrones all together, like silently?
1: Yeah, I watch them all the time. There's a bar in Burlington, Vermont, that always puts up videos of 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 the entire bar watching it and I watch it every week. So yeah. And it's, the music is happening and the night King is just very slowly walking towards Bran. He should be running, right?
0: Yeah. Or, you know, not just like sauntering like he is like, ah, I'm really enjoying this moment. But then out of nowhere, cause she's a ninja, Arya teleports in and attacks the Night King. There's a moment of suspense when he grabs her, and you're like, oh, no, it failed. But then she does does that neat dagger-dropping trick where she lets it go of her main hand and catches it in her left hand, and she kills him, and he explodes, and all the battle droids shut down. It's just like the end of The Phantom Menace, but really, if you're going to steal a scene, might as well steal from the best
1: right exactly might as well steal from phantom menace i mean to be, it's kind of been set up where the night king is the one who has risen all of these dead people and if you kill him you kill everyone he has ever risen she doesn't exactly teleport in she whizzes by a white walker who kind of looks to the right and was like oh what was that uh and then yeah she she like drops from uh, people on the internet thought she dropped from the tree but she just like you know jumped really high snuck up on the mofo. And, yeah, gets caught by the Night King as he turns around. And then she does that drop move with the knife that she did to Brienne of Tarth last season. And stabs the Night King in the stomach, which surprised him, surprised everybody. And the entire Night King army and all the White Walkers and all the Whites fall down. And the Night King story is done and they are done
0: dead right and then we have another supporting cast member Jora dies daenerys is ugly crying i kind of thought amelia clark didn't really bring her a game to this scene but that's just me What?
1: <laughs> oh no I, I i thought it was good i i i liked that i liked what it was happening i mean it didn't it wasn't one of the parts that none of so i saw avengers endgame this weekend that's so good it was so good it made me cry like three or four separate times this episode didn't make me cry of Game of Thrones and I think that was the part where I should have been crying but I just wasn't and it perhaps it was because I, that Amelia Clark didn't bring her A game but I I thought it was I I think it was just sandwiched around so many other things that you know Theon dies and Jorah dies those are two those are two main characters in reality and and they leave us And I think it should have been sadder than it was. And I think on a rewatch, it will be sadder when I know already what's going to happen to the Night King. And I can just focus on those characters going out in a kind of blaze of glory. Don't you wish though, that there was some, some dialogue between the Night King and Bran in that moment?
0: Yes. Some kind of like, and this is why I'm doing all this. Or, I mean, I guess Bran gave the reason that he's like, you know, the world's history book and, and, the Night King doesn't like that. But, uh, yeah, we're not sure what would even, what would have happened if the Night King killed Bran? Or, like, what was at stake, really, other than Bran's life? Which, you know, is important to Bran
1: right it feels like there was actually nothing at stake like just there would be no three eyed raven and there would be no the giver who has all the history Arya by the way uses the blade that Littlefinger tried to use or give to somebody to use to kill Bran in season one Bran gave that dagger to her last season as well so that she got it from Bran because he was like yeah I- i'm not going to be able to use it but you know Arya doesn't serve the god of death but she's pretty much is the god of death right and this moment i was like god rogue is overpowered rogue needs to be nerfed
0: and then davos watches as Melisandra walks out of the castle takes off her magic necklace which turns you hot and then she dies old and naked out in the snow which i mean okay you don't see why you had to do that but you know your choice
1: I mean, she already said that she was going to die before the dawn. It feels like she didn't have to do that, but she feels as though her life is complete as Beric Dondarrion's was in that moment, dying in the hallway. And yeah, a little bit of a major flex on her part, dying legit in front of the dawn, exactly like she told Davos, as Davos and Sandor Clegane watch it happen. And you have to assume in that moment Davos was like, good, good.
0: So, MVPs of the fight were Melisandre and Arya and uh biggest <laughs> letdowns were Danny and Jon.
1: Right. Well, Danny I think was the biggest letdown because she let the Dothraki dying change the plan completely and she just went and got on a dragon and just went into the battle before she was supposed to. We thought from the last trailer that when she said the dead are already here that she was talking about the Crips, but it wasn't. It was just sort of about like, you know, the dead army is here and I feel bad about all the Dothraki because I made them come so far and they're all now dead. So yeah. And then she she sort of, she how how would it have been different if they actually waited? Perhaps it wouldn't have been. But yeah, the confirmed death count on this is Ed, Beric, Liana, Theon, Jorah, the Night King, Melisandra, and Quono. I got his name wrong earlier. Quono of the Dothraki. And the confirmed living is Ghost, Drogon, Rhaegal, Oh, by the way, 99 percent of the Dothraki are dead, and 99% of the Unsullied are also dead.
0: See, I mean, like, in the end, though, Night King and the White Walkers, not that bad. One battle, one castle, five principal characters, and then one main character. I mean, that's all it took to bring them down. It kind of makes you think, like, Jon Snow was exaggerating this whole time about how existential the threat was. Like, yeah, they were pretty bad. But uh, in the end, it only took one night to beat them. Most wars go on for months, but, uh, you know, just one night.
1: I mean, he didn't know that his little sister was like a trained assassin who had been preparing for this moment from the beginning of her, like the beginning season one, episode one till now, being trained by Serio Pharrell with the sword and then going to Bravos and being trained by the, the, the faceless men. And, you know, every moment of her life has been leading up to this one moment for her to do a a swift dash by the White Walkers who weren't helping at all, do a sweet jump, and then do a sick knife drop and murder the Night King. Did you feel like it was cheap for the Night King to die in one episode after it was being built up this much, or did you feel like it was all
0: satisfying? No, I I thought it was kind of dumb, actually. And uh, I think... I don't. I, I. I guarantee you, this is not how it's going to go down in the books. Um, you know, they keep teasing like, "Oh, it's going to spoil the books." No, it's not. There's no way this battle is going to happen the way it did, or maybe this battle isn't going to happen at all. Uh, I. I. You know, I thought this was basically the most cliche Hollywood ending to the White Walker plotline they could have had, but I think you know, I think season seven and season eight have been about. Getting on your knees and servicing the fans, and I think the fans are serviced uh, to completion.
1: Right, and the big baddie apparently is Cersei, which is, I guess, it's fine. And now John, Danny, and their twenty-five remaining soldiers are going to try to face her. But like, as the trailer rolled and Danny was like, "We have won the long night. We have won the great war. But now we will win the last war." I was like, "Why?" Why why do we need to keep doing this? Why is the Iron Throne at all still important to you, Danny, after this evening occurred?
0: Right. Also, everyone hates Cersei. You could just wall off King's Landing and let her be the queen of the city, and everyone just ignores her and does their own thing.
1: Yeah, but we need Clagain Ball, James. And Jamie is character and there were so many characters who didn't die this episode who should have who you feel like the only reason they're around is because they're going to be dying at later times with later plot points which i think speaks to maybe the book doesn't do it this way but i mean george rr martin has always said that his ending and dan and dave's ending are going to be very similar perhaps the ending he's talking about is what happens in the next three episodes because you're right I, i don't know if if that is the way that this battle is going to go in the books or like you said at all.
0: And so let's just go down. What's left for fan service. That's going to have the next three episodes. So Jamie has to kill Cersei and the, Hound of the mountain have to fight? And I mean, is there anything else left that the fans demand?
1: I mean, I don't know if they demand it, but I think the Azora High prophecy still has to occur. Like, Danny or John still have to sacrifice each one of the one or the other yeah. for the flaming sword to occur. But I thought that was going to happen during the battle with the night. Oh, and and
0: Brienne, Brienne has to get laid one way or the other. She either has to pick Jamie or Tormund,
1: or maybe both of them at the same time. That'd be wild. Wild Night Part Two.
0: I'm just hoping, I'm hoping to be shocked, man. I just, nothing has surprised me since, uh, Jeez, what was the last thing? No, I I was surprised when they killed all the the sand snakes in one episode and then tortured uh, their mom to death. That was wild and I was surprised. That was the last thing which is truly surprised me in Game of Thrones and I'm hoping that just something unexpected happens in the next 3 episodes.
1: And still though killing all the sand snakes did was like the first time it really felt like fan service cuz everybody hated them. I think I something interesting that could happen is if like Kyburn turns on Cersei at some point and you know she tells the mountain to kill Kyburn, and the mountains like I will not kill my master like I kind of hope something like that occurs where Cersei is not just all-powerful and and something happens to her other than the forces of the north taking the city and then her being like I'm gonna mad king this bitch up and I'm going to burn this all down with wildfire while Jamie holds me in her arms and they both explode, which is kind of what I feel like is going to happen. But to be fair, like maybe he walks into the throne room and she's already been stabbed by the mountain who then has a fight with Sandor Clegane. And then they, I, I don't, I mean, in the Clegane bowl, they both have to die, right? Like, or the, And Sandor and the mountain's about to kill Arya, right? Like in my fan fiction and Sandor finally saves her and then has the Klagane Bowl and air horns in the distance go off
0: yeah and I you know I I, how about Cersei wins let's just do that all the good guys die and Cersei wins no one would see that shit coming I would be surprised
1: that's true if Danny doesn't have the opportunity to quote rip her out root and stem and Cersei just wins and she's on the throne at the end that I think would be the only truly truly surprising thing that could happen in this show and by the way, you're like bringing me, you're anchoring me down right now into a into a naysayer's role. I did like this episode. I have liked this season. I will say too, I am rewatching and binging the entirety of this show, and I am currently at the end of season six. I've been going very quickly, and seasons five and six. Season five was pretty bad. After season four was a true masterpiece, but season six is. I, I don't think it's as bad as I have been portraying it to be. I am actually enjoying it and then we'll get to season 7 again and I'll be like oh
0: right. Yeah, I mean just just to to cap off my nay saying the two showrunners uh whose names I can never remember, Dan and Dave. Dan and Dave, D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. That before Game of Thrones their claim to fame was the uh the iconic masterpiece X-Men Origins Wolverine and the first 4 seasons of game of thrones are in my estimation near perfect and then the the, the, the second 4 seasons are the <laughs> x-men origins wolverine version of game of thrones that i just i don't really like
1: right they're the seasons that weren't based off of a game of thrones book because george r, r. r. martin fell behind and the stress on george r r, r. martin has to be intense right like no, he doesn't care as man. He, he just
0: he, he's 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 worried about what's going to happen in the next episode of vikings
1: Oh, that's a good point. I haven't watched Vikings yet, but I I've read his blog about Vikings, so I feel like I need I need to get into it. In the trailer for the next episode, Sansa watches the Unsullied march out, assumably going south. Danny says the thing about the last war to Missandei and Varys, and I'm like, why? Why does that even matter? She does have cool red clothing on now. Episode four will be another kind of. Uh, Setup episode for a large battle that happens in episode five because Miguel Sapienik, I can't say that last name, I never will be able to, is coming back and the and the what, what's the golden army? What who has no elephant? The
0: golden company.
1: Sure, I was I was close enough. They'll probably have to face the eight people who are left in the army of the north and we'll see how it goes. They still have two dragons. I don't think either of those dragons can make it, right? Like, I feel as though at the end of this, all the dragons have to be dead.
0: Yeah, or maybe they'll survive so that we can have dragon babies and continue on the lineage. But anyway, we got to wrap up because I got to go.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I want to point out that Arya and Gendry kiss again in the next trailer. Hell okay, yeah. so they're still shipping They're still shipping it, James. And I am too. And I'm looking forward to episode four which doesn't have a name and it won't until five hours after the episode airs
0: if you're just listening uh we really appreciate it if you want to go the extra mile you can follow us on SoundCloud. you can follow us on twitter you can email us uh the westworldpodcast at gmail.com if you really really want to go the extra mile then you can subscribe and and underwrite the show on patreon And join us here next week when we recap the unnamed fourth episode of the show, which I'm sure we're all going to love and no one's going to say anything negative about.
1: You're going to hate it so (laughs) much. I I think you're going to – Euron will be back. Here's a character that we haven't talked about forever because he barely matters in the show. You're going to hate this episode so much. And maybe it will be the first one where I'm like, I don't know. But who knows? I just like liking things. So
0: maybe I'll just be like, it was sick. That's a great quote from Community. That's a – what's his name? Uh, Ch – abed abed says that i just like liking things i'm james (laughs) i think we're gonna end on a community quote
1: okay and i'm ryan and this is the west world podcast